Welcome to Digital Hospitality. I am your host, Sean Walchef. This is a Cali BBQ Media production. Every single week we talk about digital hospitality. Every business needs to be digital first and every business needs to be in the hospitality business. We are so fortunate to have so many people listen to this podcast from different industries. And what we do know is if you are listening, you love to learn, you love to be better. And it's our job to bring on people that We'll give you some knowledge, um, but that will also inspire you to be a little bit better. Um, we're so fortunate that because of technology, um, one of the things that we talk about, how did a barbecue business become a media business? It's because of the smartphone, because of all of these tools that we now have, we're building on the backs of giants, thanks to Mark Zuckerberg and Jeff Bezos and Bill Gates and all these incredible tech entrepreneurs who have built this incredible device for us to communicate. We're able to meet people that inspire us, uh, not only only meet them, but learn from them and learn from them for free through podcasts, through books, through all these just incredible resources. And today we have an incredible guest, um, somebody that I'm fortunate to have met over another app. Uh, we mm -hmm. met through Clubhouse. Um, Clubhouse <laughs> is a new app. Uh, so hopefully you guys are on Clubhouse. If you have an iPhone, I highly suggest you get onto Clubhouse. If you need an invite, DM us. Um, I will find a way to get you an invite incredible platform. It's like live podcasting. So um, as the podcast host, it's essentially opening up the platform to anybody that listens to this show to come in and ask questions of the guests that we have on. And Donald Burns is our guest today. And I met him on Clubhouse. We've been on a couple clubhouses together. And uh, Donald, welcome to the show. Thank you, Sean. I really appreciate the invite. And it's an honor to be on your show today. Well, thank you so much. Um, can you please Outside of uh, me knowing exactly who you are, because I've been digitally stalking you, um, <laughs> has, has a pulse in the industry. Um, what you've been doing is incredible. The brand that you've built for yourself. Well, let's just start with this. You have trademarked the name, The Restaurant Coach. The Restaurant Coach. How did you do it and why did you do it? So uh, my journey started back in 2008 when the economy crashed. I was doing consulting back then. Uh, from 2005 to 2008, I was doing consulting. Then the economy crashed in 2008. So I hired a business coach to help me kind of rework my business model. And he took me through his coaching process. I was like, man, you know, I really like this coaching thing. It's like a lot better than consulting. Consulting is like, I come in, you got a problem, I fix your problem. And then that's right. All right. Thanks a lot. I gave you everything you need. Here's the check. All right. Everyone have good luck. And then I'd call back, you know, six, eight months later. How's things going? Oh, well, you know, we never implemented. You know, we never really got started. You know, things got busy or we got distracted. I'm like, damn. So then when the economy crashed and I got through this coaching program, I asked my, my business coach, I said, hey, do you certify people to be coaches? And he's like, yeah, actually, I, I have a program, of course. So I actually, you know, back then I went on a Google and checked it out. And there was no one in 2008 calling themselves a restaurant coach. I'm like, this is perfect. So I said, you know what? I'm going to be the restaurant coach. So I actually trademarked it and became in 2009, I launched the restaurant coach brand and I've been doing it ever since 2009. So now if you Google restaurant coach, everybody's calling themselves a restaurant coach. <laughs> well, I love the story. And I, I mean, Donald, the, the thing that I appreciate the most is because of these platforms, we can have conversations like mm -hmm. this. And there was something that you said on Clubhouse that really resonated when you were introducing yourself. You know, there were five speakers, thanks to Rev for getting that um, dialed in for us. He's actually one of the reasons that you and I got on that email to be on Clubhouse. But one of the things that you said was what you just referred to, which was consulting was just fixing the problem. Coaching, I got to work with people. I got to work with these restaurant owners. You've worked with over 2000 restaurant owners to help them work, not in their business, but to work on their business. And that's something that anybody that loves leadership, we learn about it, we hear about it, we know it should be right, um, but how do you do it? And exactly, you do it yeah. accountability. No, no one gives you a roadmap. Everyone, every consultant <laughs> in the world says, hey, Sean, you gotta work on your business, not in your business. All right, that's great. Yes. But what do I do when like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm two line cook short and, you know, I'm getting blown up phone calls for catering and I don't have enough people. And what do I do when, you know, I, I'm just feel like I'm just trying to keep my head above water. Correct. So I would love for you. Can you take us through? So we have a lot of people that are in the hospitality business, whether mm -hmm. they own restaurants or don't own restaurants, but they maybe they want to be in the hospitality business. But 
I think it's important, even for people that are in digital marketing, people that listen to this podcast to think of it, you know, because you're building a business to help other businesses. You know, I have a business mentor um, and multiple business mentors, but um, one of them is David Meltzer. And that I've been doing for the last year. Every mentor is different. Every coaching program is different. Can you walk us through how you do your process? So. It, just like everything you, you should have. And if you're looking for a coach and this is the one thing I'm going to, I'm going to tell you how to shop and find a good coach. Number one, you should always talk to someone first to make sure that you resonate and that they, you guys click because coaching, again, it's not a short-term fix. It's not like consulting where, you know, I'm just going to come in and fix your problem. Coaching is actually a long-term process. And I always warn people up front, depending on how, how long your restaurant's been running amok, is going to take me half that time to get you on track. And then it's going to take me probably a couple more months after that to get you going in the right direction. Because what we're talking about is habits. And I say this in both of my books. I have two books out. Your restaurant sucks. Your restaurant still sucks. I'm working on my third book. Your restaurant culture sucks. It should be out in April. Awesome. And, And I say all the time, all business problems are people problems. What coaching does is works on the people problems. And how do you work on people problems? Well, number one, you got to make sure that you resonate with people and make sure that number one, I, I can't work. I probably, I turned down probably more people than I actually take on as clients today. And that was totally different back in 2009. When I first started, I took anybody, you know, cause I was, you know, just growing my brand and stuff like that. But there's some people just are not coachable. And what I mean by not coachable is that they're just stuck in habitual patterns and habits and mindsets that just kind of keep them stuck you know, and they're limiting mindsets. I always say there's, in coaching, there's a big thing out there we call BS, right? And a lot yeah. of times I say, hey, what's BS mean to you? What's, a lot of people say, what would you say? What's the BS? What's BS, right? Yeah, what is it? What, what, is, what does BS usually stand for? Bullshit. Yeah, well, I say in coaching, we call them belief systems. <laughs> belief systems, yeah, yeah. correct. Mindset. A lot of people have these belief systems. I'll give you an example of one. There's no good people out there. These kids can't, hire, just I can't hire anybody. Yes. Yeah. But, and unfortunately, when you believe that, it becomes a self fulfilling prophecy for you. So, the first step when you're going to work with you, if you're going to find, try to find a coach, number one, you should always talk to them. Make sure you resonate with them. Make sure that number one, that their kind of their model and their alignment should be in, in kind of alignment with where you're going. Number two, they should have a process map. Every great coach I know has a process map. And we take you from point A to point B. And it depends on how they go. I have a nine-step process map, I basically call it. And I call it the, the restaurant, owner academy, uh, restaurant Owner Academy. And it kind of goes back to when I had my first restaurant. When I opened my first restaurant, I knew I was a, you know, I was a chef for years. And I knew how to be a chef. And I know how to run a restaurant, kind of. <laughs> I did not know how to build a – I did not know how to market. I did not know how to build a profitable brand and I really didn't know how to build a world-class team. So, and like a lot of owners, I was basically in denial and I was telling myself, a, you know, a BS bullshit story in my head, you know, I mean, I'm just under the radar, you know, next month's going to be different. It's going to be better next month. And then next month came in and, you know, next month's going to be different. It's going to be better next month. We're just under the radar. And I had a, a really well, a very, very successful businessman who used to come to my restaurant a lot. And one night he sat me down after he had dinner and he says, you know, I'm worried about you. I'm like, you know, and I, I, I gave him the same. Yeah, we're, just, we're just a little under the radar. We're just we're kind of like the best kept secret. He says, you don't ever want to be the best kept secret in town. I was like, damn, he's right. Yeah. You know, and then he kind of told me some honest truth. He goes, yeah, man, you know, you're a great chef. You know, we love the food. We love, you know, I love coming here. My wife and I love here. We love the staff. We love the, you know, the service you have. The food's just incredible. But man, he goes, I'm worried that you're not going to make it as a business because, you know, the place is like half empty. And he said, I'll make you a deal. I'll give you, I'll give you some time each week to mentor you. If you will take the stuff, I if you take time, dedicate it, but then when I teach you, you need to apply it. And we made this deal. We made this pact. And a year later, my business was totally 180 degrees opposite direction. I was turning away 100 reservations a Friday and Saturday night. Um, it was packed all the time. Profits shot through the roof. It, it actually sprung board. It actually got me to the point where I started having investors come at me and I opened up a second restaurant. And I attribute a lot of those things he taught me to that. 
you know, someone just actually just saying, you know what? It's like my first book, you know, your, your restaurant kind of sucks, you know? (laughs) Well, I think so much of it is, is truth. You know, it's understanding that mirror philosophy of when you look in the mirror, are you willing to accept the truth? You know, it's one thing. I mean, it's, it's the same thing in alcoholism. You know, you, I'm I'm a recovering alcoholic and until I take step one, which is admitting that I'm an alcoholic, I can't do anything about that. Once I admit that, and then I ask for help. Now there's a path. How much of your coaching goes to unlocking what people need to know themselves and holding them accountable versus, I mean, yes, you are a business coach, you are a business mentor, but how much of it is actually spent working on the actual owner? I would the owner, the owner themselves, once they're willing and ready to say, yes, Donald, please, I need help. My restaurant sucks. Or maybe my restaurant doesn't suck, but I know that my restaurant can be better. Yeah. I know that the potential is there for my restaurant. I always say I get two types of clients. Either, either, either people either come to me from desperation or inspiration. Desperation is things that are really bad. And, you know, you finally have hit the wall, you know, you've had to hit the bottom of the barrel and you're like, I got to do something about this. I can't operate like this. I can't live like this. I'm killing myself. I'm not making any money. And that's desperation. And then the other end is inspiration. People are like, like you, I'm doing really great, man. You know, I think I could tweak this a little bit more. And I think I could really take this to the next level. The people in the middle, they never call me. Because yeah. they're they're complacent, they're happy, they're you know, they've settled. It's like things. Or are they're good. in denial. Or in denial, you know, things are good, things are okay. Or or they're ones that you don't want to work with as well. Or the ones, yeah. So yeah, yeah I like the people from either end of the spectrum. So and going back to your question, how much of it is about mindset? Uh, most of it is about mindset. <laughs> But you can't, you know, no one, no one signs up because, you know, I need to work on my mindset. No one, knows. <laughs> everyone signs up. Because I want, they want, they want, I want you to increase stuff. my profitability. Profits, right. Yeah, I want more <laughs> profitability. So, so I always say, I sell you what you want and then I give you what you really need. That's, That's what coaching is all about. That's it's like, good. all right, cool. Yeah. We're going to work on your marketing. We're going to work on your profitability, work on your team. We're going to work on your menu. Those are the things they want. But along the way, I'm going to start really start tweaking and fine tuning your habits and it's subtle and you don't realize it, but eventually I'm going to kind of, I hate to say, I'm going to brainwash you. (laughs) I'm going to brainwash you to kind of new kind of ways of thinking. Cause the number one thing that holds restaurant backs, like you said, is the restaurant owner. It's them. It's their mindset. It's their habits. I, I have a poster. It's not, you can't see it right here, but it says your restaurant is a reflection of your habits. Yes. Plain and it's simple. Great. It's great. It's plain it's, and simple. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's amazing to think, I mean, it's not just restaurants, but it's the thing that makes us great is also the thing that holds us back. Exactly. I mean, especially now during the coronavirus, the amount of, you know, people that I've talked to and in, in restaurant media and other owners I've talked to, and it's so much of the focus is, on all the things that are going bad, on all the things that oh, yeah. are limiting of, you know, I've built this great restaurant and now all my sales are down as opposed to getting back to that startup mindset that made the restaurant owner who they are. So many people want to open up a restaurant. They never even get to that step. Exactly. You know, people have gotten to that step. They've built the step. They've built the culture. They've, you know, opened the business. And then now something external has happened, but they're not using it as an opportunity to, retool and get back to that original mindset. Exactly. Yeah. When coronavirus hit all my clients, what we did is sales to me is a vanity metric. And unfortunately we get stuck in a lot of these vanity metrics. Another vanity metrics is likes, right? You know, you can't <laughs> yes. deposit likes in the bank. Correct. But sales are another vanity metrics. And, and anytime you're around a group of restaurant owners, they start throwing out, you know, oh, we did 2.5 million. Oh, well, we did 2.7 million. Oh, well, we did 2.8 million. You know, it's like, uh, but then I always, I always come back like, well, how much, how much profit did you guys make? Correct. And it shuts them up right away. You know, it's like, uh, 3%. Oh, yeah. Wow. Great. You know, so when, when COVID hit all my clients, we, we uh, the first thing I did is I said, you got to get off this vanity metric. Don't worry about the sales numbers itself. Let's refocus your attention on profitability. Let's go back to the basics. Let's, let's build a solid, solid foundation and a solid profitable business model. So we went back to the drawing board and we started actually reworking everything. And we kind of went right back through my kind of coaching model I have. Mm-hmm. The first part is always foundation. So the foundation of any coaching program to me is culture. 
because you know, think about this, Sean, like in, in your market, you can buy all the restaurants in your market can buy from the same food vendors, right? You got the right. Cisco's US Foods, Shamrock Foods. You guys right. can all buy from the same people. You also all hire from the same labor pool. It's not like you're trucking people in from Montana. Well, not yet, right. but you might be. Correct. But so <laughs> if so they're good, the if they have hospitality yeah. in their blood and they, they believe in our mission, we'll but bring them wherever. Yeah, but what separates the great, what separates the good restaurants from the great from the outstanding? To me, it's culture. And culture is created by the leader. Culture flows down. It doesn't flow up. And culture is created by you, the owner. You've created a great culture in your brand. And that's why your brands have really rise to the top because you're pushing the brand. You're always big about the media. You're always big about, you know, connecting with the community. You're big about giving back. You make it fun. You have a culture that attracts people to you. Well, that's, you know, that that's part of, the, the greatest gift that we've been given as owners and people in hospitality is what we talk about. It's this opportunity to publish media directly. I mean, we spent five years getting ignored by all the local media, anybody that was doing anything online and magazines and newspapers, radio, where we're just like, well, we're just going to do it ourselves. We're going to start tweeting. We're going to start posting on Facebook. Mm -hmm. We're going to start doing Instagram. We're going to start doing whatever we can to let not just our immediate community know, but let, you know, our partners know, let everybody know this is who we are and this is what we're doing. And was it easy to do? No, it wasn't easy. And was it out of survival? Yeah, absolutely. We, we picked a very difficult location in 2008 to open up our restaurant, but that gave us that dependency on the internet, that dependence on social media. And that's something that, um, how, who, your clients, who are the most successful of your clients? What do they do that sets them apart? Because everyone, you have students and some of the students sit in the front of the class. They ask all the questions. They do all the homework. Other ones, they go, yes, Donald. Okay. I'll do that. And then they wait till next week. They didn't do their homework. Right, and they go, right, okay. Right. I hope he doesn't ask. I hope he doesn't hold me accountable. Yeah. <laughs> The ones that are most successful, I've actually taken this whole thing about taking culture seriously, and they've actually taken active role in creating their culture. I say your biggest job as an owner is to be a preacher, is to be a culture preacher. And every day you're preaching from the good book of your mission, your core values, and your vision, what your standards are, what your expectations are. I say there's six things all owners should just preach every day. You should preach your mission, core values, your vision, your standards, your expectations, and then words of appreciation. What's the two most powerful words in the English language? Thank you. There you go. And then I always go in, I'll go in, I'll ask restaurant teams. I'll say, hey, honestly, and be honest. I said, I know the owner's staying right there, but I want you to be honest. How many times a day, and does the owner say every day, does the owner walk up to you and every day say thank you? One or two people. I, don't. Raise your hand. I mean, honestly, I don't. It's hard. It, it's very hard to do, but it's important. And that gets back to why coaching is so important. Yeah. Why mentorship? What's the difference between mentorship and coaching? Mentorship, um, basically, a mentor is someone who's kind of it, it, they could be in the same industry or maybe similar. Like I had a mentor who was a different. He was in a different business. He's basically teaching and coaching, and he's working with you. Um, basically on a, like a weekly basis where to me, coaching is more of a consistent nudge. I'm like that little voice in the back of your head <laughs> every day, you know? And in fact, people will say like when they, after they've known me and coach with me and then they read my books, they go, when I read your book, man, I hear your voice in my head. I'm like, good. that's where I want to be. I want to be that little voice in the back of your head. Just kind of yeah. saying, you can do this, you know, you know what you need to do. Stop messing around, you know? Well, I, I'd love for you to tell me because the more that I consume your content, you're an incredible follow on Instagram, on social, on YouTube, on Twitter. Um, I love the content that you put out because so much of it is mindset. So much of it is gratitude. So much of it is foundational in culture and how to treat people with respect, but also how to get the fuck out of your own way, get oh, the yeah, fuck yeah. out of your own way and get busy doing work. That's actually going to be productive work for the growth of your business. Right. Um, Choosing a title, your restaurant sucks, is a bold <laughs> choice. Actually, you know, that came from a it came from a conversation. I'll tell you the whole story. So the whole story goes like this. My actually original title for my first book was called Restaurant Unleashed. And I okay. had a group, I have a really great editor. His name's Doug Crow. And Doug was like talking to me one day and he's like, we got to talk about the title of your book. I'm like, what about it? He's like, I don't like it. I mean, what do you don't like? Uh, Restaurant Unleashed, man. Restaurant Unleashed. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> it's like, no, dude, that's not good. He goes, tell me some stories about 
like uh, interactions you've had with some of your clients. And I was telling this story about this owner I had, and I'm sitting there one day and we're sitting across the table from each other, just like you and I were sitting here and he's just venting. Everything sucks. My cooks suck. My dishwasher sucks. My bartender suck. My, my, my hostess sucks. My managers suck. My everyone, you know, my market sucks. My location sucks. My guests suck. And I just let him vent. And then I finally just kind of sat back and I just calmly said, you know, if your restaurant sucks, it's because you suck running it. <laughs> and he was a big guy. I mean, I'm pretty, I'm six, three. He was bigger than me. And he was a bigger guy. Probably outweighed me like by 50 pounds. And I thought he got like all intense. And he got up like he got like, he was getting up to get ready to come over the table. And I'm like, this is it. Just tighten up my jaw. He's going to punch me right here. Yeah. And then he got like halfway up on the table. And then he got this look in his eyes and he sat back in his chair. And I'll never forget. He let out a deep breath and he goes, you know, you're right. This is all my fault. And I said, all right, let's get to work. And it, we took us a year of solid coaching, but then he did 180 degrees where now the guy barely, you know, this, this was a guy who was working like 80, 90 hours a week in his restaurant. Did not have any time with his family complaining, 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 didn't trust anybody on this team. I got to do everything myself. These people don't want to work to now. He actually makes highest profits he's ever made in his life. He spends two months a year on vacation with his family. That's amazing. Yeah, totally 180 from where he was to where he is now. And it all started with just basically, like you said, admitting that, you know, hey, man, you know what? There you're right. This is all my fault. Yeah. So when did so then you went back to your editor? Was yeah, your then editor I went back to my editor? well, then my editor, my editor heard a story. And he goes, that's it right there. And I go, what? He goes, your restaurant sucks. I'm like, oh, damn, that's good. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> that's why he's an editor. I was like, damn, so that's good. So then you publish it. Did you get any feedback? Like, was there any negative feedback towards? Oh, of course. Somebody? Yeah. Yeah. So tell oh, yeah, me yeah. about it. Yeah. So, so you know, a lot of people, I get, I, you know, I get messages all the time from people. Hey, you don't know me. How do you know my restaurant sucks? You don't know me. So then my response is always this. Listen, if you're upset about the title, I said, number one, did you read the book? And they say, no. I'm saying, okay, I'm going to throw this out there. If you're upset about the title of a book, your restaurant might suck. <laughs> it's it might the title be the message of book. that you needed. Have to you hear. read the book? It's not about saying your restaurant sucks. It's about making sure your restaurant doesn't suck. Yes. Yeah. So after after this first book, publishing this first book, first of all, why? Why did you write the book? Well, because I felt there was a lot of, like, like a lot of people, you know, my coaching journey and stuff like that. I keep really documented notes from my coach and from my coaches coaching sessions. And I found there's tends to be patterns. There's patterns to success and patterns to failure. And if I could help people just understand that, you know, the one, one thing holding you back, it's not your market, you know, it's you. And if you can get a hold of that and say, you know what, I'm not doing what I need to do as the owner. And then it goes also back to that thing that all consultants say, oh, you know, Sean, you need to work on your business, not in your business. That's great. How do I do that? <laughs> you yeah. know, well, it starts with number one, like I said, in my roadmap, we start with foundation. And I look at like building a house. If you're going to build a house, Sean, would you just like start putting up, you know, frame like a wooden frame on dirt? No. No, good. What would happen? I mean, you could, you probably could, but how long would the house last? Not too long, especially too long. California. You get some of that crazy rain, and you know, mudslides. Yeah. yeah. So we got to start with a solid foundation. To me, your foundation is number one: behavioral strengths. You got to know what you're good at. So we use the behavioral assessments. So I want to understand what you're good at, what you're okay at, and what you suck at. <laughs> and I also want to know about your team. Do I have the right people on the bus, and do I have the right people in the right positions on the bus? That's that's a big thing that people don't know about is that, you know, I hired these people, but or I promoted someone in the management role or a leadership role. But we think we did it because we thought they'd be a great leader, but we didn't ask them <laughs> if they wanted to be promoted. Right. Yeah. So we just assume what we know is best for people. That's not true. So after we have the assessments, then we go into your core values. I call it the triad. We talk about your mission, your core values, your vision. Then we get really clear on your standards. So I say all business problems are people problems. The other side of that coin is all people problems are communication problems. 
And the communication problems are usually lack of communication or miscommunication. And I'll give you a great example of miscommunication. You give me, I work for you. I'm closing up tonight at your kitchen and you give me a checklist. And on the checklist, it says sweep the floor. So I go and I sweep the floor and you come in and look and you go, Donald, you sweep the floor. I go, yeah, I go, dude, wait, you just swept like right between the equipment. You didn't get under equipment. You didn't move stuff around. You didn't move the tables, get behind the stuff. And Sean, I didn't say it. I'll say we'll sweep the floor. I swept the floor. You know, damn, you're right. I did not clarify my expectations. Yeah. Yeah. So, so true. Yeah. It's, it's, it's amazing when you talk about systems and procedures, like, you know, when we first started our restaurant and thinking of all the things that we know in our head as the owner and as managers, this is our expectation of what somebody that we hire to be a dishwasher, that we hire to be a server, mm -hmm. they need to know these things, yeah. you know, until we got to the point where, you know, five years down the line, seven years down the line, where we're actually implementing processes, procedures, training, checklists, communicating mm -hmm. what is expected on a daily basis, right? Were we actually able to see results, but also there was a shift. We had a hiring shift where we stopped hiring for experience and we started hiring for hospitality. That's huge. That's huge. Um, it was such a profound shift for us because we started to understand that we can teach anything, any job in our restaurant, we can teach. But what we can't teach is hospitality. We can't teach somebody to care about coming to work on time. We can't teach them no. to care about another human being. Yep. We can't teach them to care about taking, being polite to their fellow workers. Mm -hmm. We can't teach them to care about what we're trying to do in the community, but we can hire for that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Can you, yeah, can you so tell true. me more, more, more about your, your philosophy on hiring? So my philosophy of hiring is just like yours, hire for personality, train for skill. And then the other thing about hiring is that a lot of times we set people up for failure because we don't train them adequately. You know, we do what I call the front end. It's the front end load. So, you know, Sean gets started at my place and you do the two day follow. Sean, follow Joe around for two days, do what he does, say what he says, and then you're on your own, right? And then we so think that we've trained him, trained him to be, yeah, we trained him to be great. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, that would be like me going to the gym one time and going, that's it. I never yeah. have to work out again. I went to the gym once. I'm good. I think that's so important. And it's something that's so overlooked when we are hiring people with experience, we're assuming that they already understand yep. how we want our business to be run because they had worked at, you know, wherever cheesecake factory or Chick-fil-A, where, wherever it was, the assumption is there that they're going to do what we want them to do here. So follow this person and then just go ahead and do it. And not only do it, but we also want you to think and tell us what are we doing right and what are we doing wrong, but then tell it to us when we want you to tell it to us. Exactly. Yeah. Clarity equals <laughs> power. Okay. Yes. Clarity is huge. And like you said, uh, here's the thing. And tell me if you've ever said this before, because I know I had when I had my first restaurant, <laughs> they should know. They should know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, they don't know because they're not doing it right. So, <laughs> you know, whose fault is that? Oh, that's my fault. I always say there's two sides of a coin. There's always two sides of a coin. One side of the coin is they don't know. And every time I'm in a situation where I'm not getting the performance I want or the results I want, I always say the first side of the coin is my responsibility as the owner or the operator is to understand like, you know what? I did not clarify exactly what my standards are, what my expectations was. And I did not show them exactly how I wanted it done. That's my fault. Mm -hmm. Now, after I've taken care of that side of the coin, the other side of the coin is they don't care. And like you said, I can't train people to be kind. I can't train people to care. I can't change personality. So, so then there's not a good fit for your organization. Then how do you, how do you find out when you, when you do assessments with new clients, how do you find out or how do you help them find out and identify who are key players and who might need to might need to be fired? Well, a lot of it is personality. So I usually do a lot of times when I do a 360 assessment. So I ask them some questions and I'll ask them questions. I have a whole list of questions I ask them uh, to understand their personality and how they see basically what their frame of reference is. People either have two different kind of points of view. We have, it's called locus of control. Locus of control is there's an internal locus of control, external locus of control. Internal locus of control means 
I am in control of my destiny. I can change things. I, I can make myself better. External is like, that's just the way life is. Life's not fair. You know, I just, I just suck. And that's just the way things are. You know, if someone has an external locus of control, they're never going to step up and, you know, take the ball, you know, take the bull by the horns and really run with it. They're always going to have to blame somebody. And I mean, you could call it victim mindset, whatever you want to call it. It's mm-hmm. the same thing. So when I'm doing assessments, I'm looking at, there's four basic behavioral traits we're looking at. We're looking at dominance, which is your take charge trait, extroversion, which is your people trait, pace or patience, and we look at formality or conformity. Dominance people are being your natural leaders. They're the kind of people who are going to step up. All right, let's get something going. Let's do this. Let's take care of it. Extroverts are your natural kind of people, you know, people, people, persons, the ones that are talkative, natural salesmen, stuff like that. People high pace. They love routine. They love steady. They love constant doing the same thing over and over. And then people high formality, they love attention to detail. They love numbers. They're very analytical. So you can see right from that, there's certain job positions in my restaurant or I need certain people to have certain traits. Mm-hmm. Right. Someone who's like, I need a line cook that has high pace who, who want to come in every day and he wants to do the same job over and over, same routine over and over. doesn't get bored. I need that. You know, I need the worker bees. Yes. But the problem is, is like we got this really great guy as a line cook, doesn't have a lot of natural dominance or extroversion, doesn't have a lot of natural leadership, doesn't have a lot of natural, you know, people traits or, you know, communication skills. He's the next in line. Let's say, He's next in line to be sous chef. Sous chef gets fired or quits, right? So we promote this guy automatically just because he's been there longest. We think that's the right thing to do. It's not the right thing to do sometimes because he doesn't have the personality traits that's going to help him thrive. I'm basically setting him up for failure because I'm promoting him into a position where he's not a behavioral model for it. Yeah. Yeah. So do you do you advocate people from hiring from within? Yeah, I do. If they have the right behavioral traits. And then when do you find out if you need to hire from without to to grow, to scale? So after I've done usually a survey of the team and I'll find like a, I do a team, team assessment, I'll find out where the gaps are in the team and then we'll fill in the gaps. Okay, great. You know? um, I'd love for you to talk more about your, your new, your new venture um, that you are doing with this uh, restaurant KPI mastery. Oh, okay. Yeah. So um, it's actually, we have a new, I have another company. It's called Restaurants Simplified. We just rebranded it actually. Perfect. So Restaurants Simplified, basically one of the number one things we found is that. So wait, you re, you rebranded Restaurant KPI? Yeah. Restaurant KPI is now called Restaurants Simplified. I like that better. Yeah. I, yeah. Good it job. makes a lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was the thing. Because you know why? Good job. You know why? Because you like, have another we're, editor? We're, huh? No, no. It, that was like me and my business partners like sitting around going like, you know, What's the number one problem? We know it, it goes back to the thing like we know what KPIs are, correct? Performance indicators, but not yes. everyone knows what a KPI is off the top right. of their head. Yes, so people weren't coming to the site because they're like, I don't know. But when yeah. we solve your problem, restaurant simplified. Oh, I like my restaurant to be simplified. Yes, life should be simplified. Life should be simplified. So what we do is we have this proprietary uh, patent software where every day, and what we're doing again. We're giving you what you want, but we're, you know, but we're going to, we're going to teach you what you need. And what we do with this program is we basically create new habits. Most people look at their numbers once a month. And it's usually at the end of the month when they get their numbers back which, from their account. Which numbers are those that most people? Usually the P&L, you know? Okay. Yeah. I mean, usually it's a P&L. Hopefully, and a lot of times, hopefully right? <laughs> hopefully they look at it once a month. Hopefully they look at their weekly P&L if they're in the hopefully, restaurant business. Hopefully you know. they do. Yes. But, you know, even at a weekly basis, by then, it's like it's like playing a game, uh, you know, the Super Bowl on Sunday, not calling any plays and then wondering why you lost. Yes. And it's easy to tell you why you lost. You didn't call plays as they happened. So yeah. what our system does, the KPI software, which is part of the restaurant simplified. So it's a mastermind group, basically what it is. And what we do is we take you through, again, we have a process map. We take you through nine different modules. And we teach you about certain key performance indicators. We have like money metrics, time metrics. We have marketing metrics. We have people metrics. And we help you kind of understand each of these metrics. And then what you do every day is you go in and it's a simple process. It takes like five, 10 minutes. You get numbers from your POS system, which mm-hmm. are easy to get. And you have the integration. Yeah, you plug it into the system. Yeah. And then it gives us this really cool dashboard. Because, like, if you look at your car right now, 
and you know you got different gauges on your car different you know dials mm-hmm. if you really looked at the analog of that stuff it's actually really complex code and if <laughs> if i put up the complex code on your dashboard you were like i have no idea what all that means right but i used to give you a little gauge and you see where you know, it's in the red or it's in the green you know all right i'm good yeah so what we do is we basically we coach people daily on their on their uh, basically on their dashboard and there's like like i said there's there's 12 different key performance indicators we look at every day. That's great. What happens is when we look at them every day, then we can take an action plan. So what we do is we create this new habit at night, your team, not you, you have someone on your team who's responsible for putting the numbers in the, in the system at night, they put in the numbers every morning. You get usually a notification or what I call it a nudge from us to make sure to check your KPIs. That you check your dashboard. Email notification or push notification from. I usually, I usually is a it's a text message from me. Text message, even yeah, better. It's usually me, I like, that. like nudging them. Right? Yeah. yeah. Hey, hey, hey! Look at you, look at your numbers. Your numbers, and then we usually pick one KPI that we're focused on. You know that we're trying to improve each week. Mm-hmm. So, and there's different types of KPIs. There's basically there's linear KPIs and there's multiplicative KPIs. Okay. I know those are big words. <laughs> so linear KPIs are basically, we can increase guest count. I'll use that one for an example. So let's say like, you know, and a lot of marketing companies will say, hey, I can get you 20% more guests. That's great, man. I love 20%. Let's say you're doing 100 guests average a day. So now 20% more means 120 guests. Yeah. That's going to increase my, that's going to increase my sales. But unfortunately you don't understand it also increases because now I've had to increase my labor. I've had to increase my, right. you know, overhead. So you understand, I, you understand that, but the marketing company doesn't marketing company doesn't understand that. Right. <laughs> so then, you know, a multiplicative KPI is something that actually has a kind of compound effect. Like let's think about like your interest compound rate. So guest check average is a huge one. So, Marketing company says, hey, I'm going to increase your guest count 20%. I say, I'm going to come in. I'm going to help you increase your guest check average 20%. Much better. Much better. Much better. Compounding compounding across. Compounding interest always. Yeah, it always, always works. Because I don't need more staff to increase guest check average. I just have to train my staff better. Correct. Or better menu placement or better better optimization. Better better training. I I have a program, a a workshop I teach called neuroselling. Neuroselling is where I go and work with your service team. And it's about an hour class. And by the end of the class, they have tools that will actually increase their guest check average and increase sales 20%. Wow. And I got an easy technique to increase dessert sales 50% overnight. What, ask? Well, okay, I'll, I'll share. I'm going to give you this one. This, the, and you're you're halfway right. I'm halfway there. When you ask is the most important thing. How many times you've been to a restaurant? And be honest, I, I'm done with my meal. The server walks up to grab my plate and they ask me one of two questions: Would you, Would like, you like to, to see the dessert menu, oh, yes. or did you save room for dessert? By then, I'm full. Always, we we always, we always train our staff to tell them to leave room for dessert. Exactly. As soon as you Prepare take the entree them. order, you should, ask, you should always put a, I call it an embedded command. It goes from neuro-linguistic programming. An embedded command is something I want to put in your head like a seed. And I want that seed to bloom while yeah. you're having your meal. So as soon as I take your entree order, like, hey, hey, uh, what am I going to get for you? Uh, I'll have the barbecue briskets. Oh, fantastic. The barbecue brisket tacos. They're great. You're going to love them. Oh, by the way, make sure to save room for dessert because our double fudge brownie is to die for. Yes. And then now you put that seed in my head, make sure to save room for dessert because you will want dessert. I'm like, okay, great. Yeah. Yeah. Increases dessert sales overnight. If you put it right in the right spot, ask, but ask at the right time. That's so true. So true. So important. It's everything, right? Um, Are there any other key performance indicators? Let's talk about marketing for for a minute here. Marketing is obviously something that we're very passionate about. Um, Tell me about key performance indicators for marketing. For marketing, I like net promoter score myself. Okay. I think net promoter score is huge because that's that tells me how loyal are people about dedi- or about recommending my brand to other people. And, and how do you, how do you, how do you measure that? You just send out a survey. You can do something on monkey survey and something like that. You know, how how likely are you to recommend us to a to someone else? How likely are you to recommend us to someone, you know, to a friend of yours? You know, on a scale from one to ten. 
And then what about um, social review sites like Yelp and Google and TripAdvisor? Social review sites. I mean, I, I mean, I'm a big, huge fan. I love Google myself. Yelp. I think Yelp can be very tricky and it can be manipulated a lot. And unfortunately, Yelp has really control of what reviews get seen and what don't get seen. But where Google is, you know, the number one search engine in the world. And if I'm on, if I'm in any strange town, if I'm flying in to work with somebody, first thing I do is I'll go to Google and say restaurants near me. Mm-hmm. You know, so I always look at Google first. So number one, managing your Google placement, your, you know, Google My Business is key. And you'd be shocked how many people don't manage their listing. Yeah. You know, that's like low hanging fruit. That's like social media marketing one-on-one. You should need to you know manage your, your social media presence. And yeah. then the number two thing is like, what do like you guys do? Make my content engaging. I always say there's 13 different emotions to marketing. Most people play one emotion, hunger. <laughs> <laughs> there's so many different emotions out there. There's compassion. There's community. There's tribe. There's family. There's humor. You know, there's so many different things out there you could play on that. We just like, we seem to be one dimensional in our marketing, which that's one of the things I have to say about, you know, the Cali barbecue is it's so multidimensional. And if anybody out there following, you know, make sure you're, you're really you know, following you. his stuff. Cause I'm a big believer in modeling, seeing someone doing something that's doing it right. And then, you know, just kind of like, Hey man, I like that. I like, you know, when you did your, you help wanted that and you were on top of the roof. <laughs> I mean, stuff like that, it stands out. You're like, damn, I remember that, you know? Yeah. And that was I'm months good. ago. I appreciate that. And that means, it means a lot to me. And it was, it's actually funny because it's, uh, it was during Clubhouse that uh, Kyle and Senra, who's going to be a guest on this podcast coming up, but him and I were going back and forth and he was just talking about the way that he's built his marketing and it's through lifestyle. It's actually not lifestyle marketing, but it's business lifestyle. Yeah. And I was like, that's just a great way to position it because that's assault. Ultimately, when people ask me, they go, well, why are you posting pictures of your kids? Or why are you posting pictures of the chargers? Or why are you doing all these things on your accounts? When I go, well, this is my life. And this is who I am as a restaurant owner. And I'm not just going to sell somebody ribs every single time I go on into Instagram. Like, no, this is the old hickory that we used to cook the ribs. But yes, this is us tailgating. And even though it has nothing to do with barbecue, or this is a different barbecue restaurant owner that we're friends with. Like we've become friends with so many other people that own barbecue restaurant businesses. And it's not about us. We never, we don't believe in best, best and worst thumbs up, thumbs down. Like that's not the world we live in. We live in a gray world. And more specifically, you want to have content that's compelling. Exactly. If you're excited to post it, I mean, all the stuff that you're posting, I laugh. You put up a restaurant meme that it, I mean, it's funny because it's true. It's why true. Does, why, why does truth vibrate the fastest? Because it, to, to post content that makes somebody stop scrolling and go, wait, that is actually very true. He's talking shit about my restaurant, but that's very true. That's true. Yeah. Why is, why is the truth? Why does truth vibrate the fastest? The truth vibrates, and there's a, it's the very first quote in my first book. It says, the truth will set you free, but first it will piss you off. <laughs> it's not quote. from the Shawshank Redemption. Who's that from? <laughs> uh, it's actually from Joe Klaus. It's, okay. a, it's, a, it's a quote from Joe Klaus. The truth will set you free, but first it will piss you off. Yes. You know, and again, you know, and you, you've gone through addictions and stuff like that. You know, we've all had our challenges. The first thing you got to do is just kind of like, you know what? He's right. <laughs> you know, shit, I could do this better. I could be a little bit better. I could be a better owner. My father trained me when I was, a, you know, when I was a young chef, I started at 15, like a lot of people with washing dishes. My dad was a corporate chef, but my dad was like the Gordon Ramsay of his time. He was the yell scream type. I mean, it was horrible. I mean, I hated it. And when I was 18, he told me it was in my blood. I said, I want a transfusion. <laughs> I don't want to do this shit. I don't want to do this. This sucks, man. I don't want to yeah. do this shit. You know? Was and it? it, and it I went, and then I went into the military and then I went into uh, the Air Force. I actually went into pararescue teams. But when I got out, I went back to college and I could get jobs in restaurants in college because I had experience from high school. And then without my dad yelling and screaming at me, I, I found out I really love the restaurant industry. But the problem was my early business model of what a chef was, was like that. I had to yell, scream, break people down. Yeah. Yeah. So then I realized 
after I was like, how come my turnover rate so high? How come no one wants to stay? And I, I did a lot of things like a lot of other people did when I was a young chef in my twenties, like, you know, well, they just don't get it. They just don't want it. They're just not a good fit. No, I was an asshole. Let's be honest. Yeah. And then I realized that, you know, if I needed, then I started thinking and I started having some self-awareness, like, you know, I didn't like it when my dad yelled and screamed at me. So why am I doing to other people? It's not really me. You know what my, my, my style is to be more, you know, encouraging, more motivating, more, you know, Hey, you got this, you know, be more steady, more consistent, more constant, gentle pressure. And then I kind of adapted my whole leadership model to be more of like a coach, I guess back then I didn't even know the word back then, but that's what I kind of became. And my turnover rate started dropping down. I actually started having people come to me and saying, Hey, I heard you run a really great place. I heard you, you teach people a lot. You train people a lot. I heard people learning. I'd love to come work for you. And that's when it kind of like, you know, light went on angel sang. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's like, wow, there's a different way to do this. I don't have to do it. Like I don't have to be an asshole and I can get great people that want to work with me. Speaking of different ways to do things, I saw a post on Foodable, and I know you're an expert for Foodable, um, an expert for Forbes, uh, Hot Schedules, Nightclub and Bar Show, Chicago. <laughs> um, it's incredible the the depths of where you've been on stages speaking, um, giving all this incredible industry knowledge. But on Foodable, they were talking about trade shows. And I know oh, yeah. trade shows are something that are so valuable to the industry, but it said that trade shows are dead. Yeah. Um, uh, obviously another attention grabbing your restaurant sucks trade shows are right. dead but nonetheless it compelled me to click on it to uh -huh. go and look and dive deeper but as somebody that's spoken at all these incredible different trade shows national restaurant association westburn hospitality all you name it you've you've been there and spoken at them what do you see for the future i say i see the big huge huge food shows probably dying off but i see more intimate intense kind of more, you know, like local, smaller kind of getting togethers are going to happen. Like I'm hosting a small workshop in April in Scottsdale and I call it the restaurant owner boot camp, and I'm only inviting 12 people and it's going to be a small intimate two day thing, but you know, that's where I'm moving more towards. And, you know, and, and as, and I'm, we're going to start speaking again. Like I'm going back to nightclub bar show. I'm going back to Western food show, the New York hospitality show. I'm speaking at the Texas restaurant association show, but I think the formats are going to be a lot smaller. The stages are going to be smaller, but you know what? It's going to be better for owners because you're going to get a little bit more attention. You're going to get time to be able to talk to me afterwards where, I mean, I've done stages where I've had 700, a thousand people in the, in the, in the audience and it's just so big. And you know, the, uh, the agenda is so wrapped tight that you don't, you know, it's like, as soon as you're done, all right, thank you so much. You know, have a great day. And then you're off. And then the next speaker's on because they got to keep that thing wound up where I think it's going to go back to more intimate conversations, more talking, and then more stuff like this too, where we're going to be able to talk to people on like, I, I, I have more mastermind groups now online than I've ever had before. And it was all because of COVID. I had to make an adjustment. I couldn't go out and do the speaking I used to. I couldn't go out and do one-on-one -on -one working with clients at their restaurants because most of them were shut down at the time. I don't think food shows are dead. And Paul Barron is really great at writing really catchy headlines. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> he, I was like, what? He's doing some, incre he's doing some incredible work over there. He does. Yeah, he's, he's really talented at getting people's attention. But I don't think they're totally dead. I think they're going to, they're going to morph a lot. I agree. Um, anybody that's listening to this, obviously, hopefully you've, you've learned why it's so important to hire a coach, to have a coach, to have a mentor. If you don't have a coach, um, I mean, asking for help is something that David Meltzer, my mentor really put in the forefront. And it's something that I didn't even realize, but my grandfather had really taught me that, you know, mm -hmm. my grandfather was an immigrant from Bulgaria who spent, he was born to be a farm boy. He literally read every book in his village because his grandfather gave him this love of curiosity, this love of reading. But he's the one that taught me how, you know, no matter what your circumstances are, if you ask for help, there's somebody there that's willing to help you. If you're willing to be a student, there is a teacher. Um, so anybody that's listening to this podcast, even if you're not in the restaurant business, go out and look, if you want to get to the next level, if you want to improve, first of all, you wouldn't be listening to this podcast if you didn't want to improve. True. Um, the fact that you do listen to this, we are grateful for that. Uh, any, any parting words, Donald, for, for anybody listening to this podcast on, on this, this new world, this brave new world? 
yeah, this brave new world is, you know, don't, don't feel like you're have to go it alone. It's like Sean mentioned, you know, I, I still have the same business coach that I had hired from back in 2008. He's been with me that long. That's amazing. Now, granted, we don't talk every week like we used to. We talk usually once a month now, but I still have the same coach. You know why? Because I find coaching is very valuable. I have mastermind groups I run. I'm also in other mastermind groups because you know why? I want to become better. Restaurants become better when the people in them become better people. It's that simple. And if you feel like, you know, you're going alone, you feel like it's a tough road, no one understands me. Again, I travel all around the world. All business problems are people problems. It doesn't matter where you're in Canada, South America, Europe, in Dubai. I see all the problems are the same. You're dealing with human beings. You're dealing with emotions. And people are complex. And you need someone who understands people problems who can help you solve those things. And when you get those things solved, trust me, the business problems take care of themselves. And Donald, uh, Ian, our, our writer is going to write up an article. Uh, Stover will put links to all of your social profiles, yeah, links to all awesome. of your books um, into this. If you guys are listening, please follow Donald on Clubhouse. Follow me on Clubhouse. Sign up for notifications for when um, we're on talking. We'd love to have you on stage talking and um, hopefully you're inspired to join a mastermind group. Um, the power of talking to other people that are other owners, other people that are in sales, other people that are in marketing. Um, I know personally, just by putting on this podcast and talking to people that are news anchors, people that run news stations, people that are in sports entertainment, people like Donald, Donald Burns, it's been life-changing. You know, it's been life-changing to talk to people that have multi-book multi authors, uh, people that speak on stages. And uh, I'm only excited for how many more stages, you know, how much of a bigger impact. Mm -hmm. I know that it's hard for us, both of us, to conceptualize how big this internet thing really is. Um, it's because huge. As Donald said, this, these are people problems. This is why digital hospitality is so important for us, mm -hmm. is that we know it's so much bigger than barbecue. It's so much bigger than what we're doing. If we can have an impact, if we can have a voice, Voice, then you can have a voice. You can have a voice in your village, no matter where you are in the world. Um, all these tech giants, they're creating all this opportunity for us to share what we do. And if we can share that, then we can help that local charity that you love. There it is, the smartphone. Donald's holding it up. Most powerful thing in the world right here. Most powerful thing in the world. Once you're ready to turn it on and use it for all the good that you want to do, um, the world is the world's limitless. So thank you, Donald, for your time. Um, you, stay John, curious. Appreciate you so much, my friend. Stay curious, get involved, and don't be afraid to ask for help. Thank you guys. And we'll uh, check you out next episode.